Thanks for joining me for Acoustic Alternatives. I'm John Bomarito. We are in the Grove Studios in Ypsilanti. This is the home of the podcast for, well, pretty much all of them, and they've been very kind to me. It's a place that if you're a musician, a DJ, or a podcaster, and you're looking for a place to do your thing and not disturb your neighbors, definitely check out Grove Studios in Ypsilanti. It is a, a fantastic facility that has been excellent hosts. I want to thank as well David Palmer, who's been sponsoring the podcast for the last uh, couple of months as well. Without dcpalmer.com, you would not be able to see what I do or hear what I do as far as these uh, interviews are concerned. So he's a, a real estate broker, an associate broker, realtor, excuse me, serving clients in the city of Detroit and throughout the region. Also a huge music fan, which is why he's supporting what I do. We're going to talk a little bit more about David in the middle of the podcast, but I am happy to welcome to the podcast a friend of mine who moved away from me and then moved, <laughs> came back to do some shows and captured her while she's here. So Katie Peterson is here. Hello, Katie. Hello. How are you? I'm well. It's good to see you. You as well. I'm excited to learn about some new music that you're releasing this year and uh, talk about what you've been up to since we last spoke a couple of years ago. Yeah. But I think we should start with the song so people go, hey, I like this girl. I'm going to continue <laughs> watching this podcast. Sure. What do you want to start with? Um, I'm going to start with uh, Different Couches. Cool. Love this one. Katie right. Peterson. <laughs> whoa, whoa.
on acoustic alternatives with different couches and it's a great place to start because yeah. <laughs> that mentions a younger you and things you were going through when you were uh, you know just starting out your career mm-hmm. and I kind of wanted to start the interview with a younger younger you like t- <laughs> tell me about growing up as Katie Peterson the young last playing piano a uh, <laughs> little bit about your your interest in picking up an instrument in the first place tell me a little bit about that sure um well music is a big big part of uh, my family and uh so we were really heavily encouraged to play piano growing up. And, um, I grew up, you know, singing with my mom a lot in the car and, um, in church and things. And, uh, so I took lessons all through my childhood, um, for classical piano, but it was kind of like pulling teeth to get me to practice. And so, um, I eventually kind of discovered the pop piano outlet and, you know, um, like Michelle Branch and Vanessa Carlton and, um, all of those like early two thousands, um, female songstresses that were also playing piano. And so I started to learn their songs by ear and then sort of fell in love with the instrument again, if that makes sense. So um, that was sort of how how it started. And um, now we're we're still plugging away. So You could have just remained a fan. Why did you decide mm-hmm. to pursue this as, well, it's kind of your career. I mean, it's part yeah. of your career. You have two careers, actually. Yeah. But <laughs> Yep. Uh, I think that it was just it's just a part of who I am. And so I think that, you know, up until recently, I would say that, um, it was just sort of doing it because it, it felt like it was something that I, that I wanted to do and that it was just a part of who I was. And now I think I'm just, I've turned a corner in terms of wanting to take it a lot more seriously, um, and really pursue it further as a career. And I think that's just more leaning into who I am and recognizing that, if we ignore that part of ourselves, that that creative side or um, that part of who we are, then it can lead to some, you know, to feeling unfulfilled. And so I, I want to continue to make music because it makes me feel fulfilled. So, yeah. Your song Music Maker kind of addresses that, doesn't it? It does, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one that people can look into unless you're planning on doing that one later. Sure. You grew up in Ann Arbor and then we had a pretty – still have a pretty rich music scene even when you were growing up that was pretty rich. Did any of that filter in? Like did you go see live local bands when you were younger? Yeah, definitely. I went to a lot of, you know, top of the park, lots of live music there. And, um, you know, it was one of those things where because I was classically trained, I really didn't know – how to get to that other side of, of pop and performance. And so, you know, I'd go to, to see local bands on, on stages and just be sort of like 
starstruck, you know, mm-hmm. uh, how, how do they get up there? And that, that's so cool. And maybe one day, but it never felt like this thing that I could do. And, um, and then I had a lot of, I felt very fortunate to have a lot of people in my life that were like, why don't you just play a show? Why don't you send an email and, and see what happens? Yeah. And then, yeah. It's a less common instrument, the piano, than than the guitar. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the year I've been doing the podcast, you're the second pianist we've had in here, technically. Yeah. Um, I think there's fewer, I want to say idols or icons to look up to. Obviously, Billy Joel and John, but mm-hmm. for your era, it would be Sarah Bareilles and Ben Folds. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Maybe a little less so John McLaughlin, who's mm-hmm. a less known, but I think you know his music. Yes, absolutely. Just saw him recently at 20 Front Street, which is where you just uh, played recently as well. Yeah, that's It's a right. strange <laughs> place to see somebody with his his like I know. level of talent because it's such a small room. But It really is, yeah. But, but I get the point is it, it seems like it's harder to, to take – a career it's easier to be a guitarist and move forward because mm. you got to lug this thing around <laughs> this isn't as bad as what ben folds would be doing which is you know, right carrying around a grand yeah he, he did he sure did. <laughs> did, did did that factor in at all it's just this is what i love to play it doesn't matter yeah it's, kind of it was just like this is what i love to play and um this is what i this is the instrument that makes the most sense to me because i can see all of the notes and hmm. um i can play guitar very minimally and i would love to learn so that's something that i just i need to sort of buckle down and and uh start practicing a little bit more but it is kind of funny because I feel like I'm I'm the only person especially in Nashville who like lugs around a keyboard everywhere because everybody there plays guitar um and so in some ways I'm I'm jealous of being able to just have a little backpack and get it get there and plug in and play but um but it's been something I've been doing for years so it's it's just fun as you're saying it's part of who you are it's already it's already ingrained yeah do you remember your first gigs Mm mm-hmm yeah, my very first gig uh, was in Indianapolis. It was at this um, tiny little venue, and I think there were like three people there. Um, and uh, but you know that that was. I remember leaving that night and being like, "That was the coolest thing ever." You know, it didn't matter that there were you know not very many people there at all. It was just um, being able to play my own songs that I've written outside of my bedroom was a huge. Huge win in my book. <laughs> so. You must have got the bug for doing it then, but you mm-hmm. you honed your skills elsewhere. Would, would that be piano bars and doing like the dueling piano type thing? Yeah. Yep. So I, I started doing dueling pianos um, in college and that really, really helped me learn the instrument in a different way. Um, the, the thing that clicked the most in my mind then was someone told me to play the piano like a drum. And so that's sort of like that has really influenced a lot of my writing and a lot of the ways that I learned new songs now is just to add that rhythmic component so that it's not just, you know, cause I write a lot of slower ballads. Um, and so I try to add that rhythmic element to try to break it up a little bit so mm-hmm. that it's not just all the same, you know, mm-hmm. well, growing up in Ann Arbor, we have a pretty good music school in Ann Arbor, but yet you mm-hmm. chose to go to Indiana. Yeah. What? <laughs> Tell me about why that decision happened. You yeah. was, was it just a better university for what you wanted to study? I just wanted a, a smaller um, school, and they had a really good music education program. So initially, I went in for music ed, and then um, quickly realized that doing doing music as a um, as a career in that way wasn't really n- like uh, for me. <laughs> so uh, the thought of you know teaching thirty kindergartners all with drums and maracas, and you know it was just I was like I don't know that I can do that. So. Um, but yeah, had a great experience there. Um, and that was where I really started, um, leaning into writing and, and playing and performing. So 
Does uh, Butler, Indiana have its own little music scene like uh, University of Ann Arbor? Yeah, or yeah. University of Michigan, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Butler had a lot of really great um, just like open mic nights and different performance opportunities. And I was a part of an acapella group there. And so, you know, just being able to sing with other people, perform with other people. And they've got a great local music scene down there as well. Um, so I really found this little, you know, niche of, and community down there. So have any of the folks that you were working with gone on to do things? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of them are still making records, touring around, um, and uh, so it's always fun to be able to go back there and see them at a show or see them, you know, in Nashville when they're in town and, and things like that. So it's been fun to keep tabs. People mm-hmm. I've heard of, maybe? Um, Joshua Powell is a band that's out of Indianapolis. Um, Cole Woodruff is um, he's a fantastic songwriter. Um, lots of lots of people on the scene out there. Mm-hmm. I know John McLaughlin's from there. Straight yeah. No Chaser formed in Indiana. That's right. Yeah, that acapella. I think they were at IU. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else is from Indiana? I know. Mellencamp? Um, John Mellencamp, maybe? No. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah. Just doesn't seem to be the, the the state we talk about that produces a lot of music, but uh, obviously there's music everywhere. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You did your first tour of the country, I believe, in just, just recently, 2017, not all that long ago. Mm-hmm. You got a yeah. taste of what the true musician life was like on that one, I bet. Yeah. How did you? How did that impact your decision to, to pick up and move and become part of the Nashville music scene? Because, I mean, you could have stayed here, but... You chose Nashville. Sure, yeah. Was it impacted by that tour at all? Um, I I don't know. I think that Nashville had always been on my list of places that I wanted to live. And, um, f- you know, five years ar- around the time that I did that tour, I think it, I think that's five years ago now. I have no idea what day it is still. You it's know, it's, 20, is it 2020, 2021? 2021. <laughs> um, four years ago. Yeah, four years ago. So I was seriously considering moving down to Nashville at that time. And – uh it just, it like didn't feel right. I just, I was not ready yet. And, um, so that tour helped me to see like, okay, this is what it would look like if I wanted to to do this full time. Um, and I think just from a perspective of like, you know, maturity and understanding who I was, I just don't know that I was ready for it yet. That tour was pretty, pretty challenging for me. I know a lot of bands that are doing that, like sleeping on floors, you know, sleeping in their cars, different couches. couches, Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and it is not for the faint of heart, you know? And so I just, I had to do a little bit of inner work and thinking through what I wanted to do and just sort of landed on the fact that I really, the craft of songwriting is really where my heart's at. And so I love touring. I love performing and and doing that. I just don't know that I could do that full time. And so um, everyone that I was talking to when I was really considering the move was just like, if you want to be a better songwriter, Nashville is a place to learn, to grow. Um, And uh, since being down there, I think I've been down there almost two years now and um, couldn't agree more that it is just, it's a great place to grow. Mm -hmm. Have you been co-writing a lot or just writing by yourself? Yeah, a little of both. Yep co-writing a lot. Uh, obviously the pandemic played into that a little bit, which was, you know, I, I think about having moved down there right before all of that happened. And I still love the city. I still feel like it's, I, it feels like home. Mm. And I think that if I feel that way after a pandemic year, yeah. then <laughs> it's You're probably the it. right, yeah, it's <laughs> probably the right choice. So co-writing as much as I can, you know, over zoom and, and, and in person now, um, but it's just been a, a great way to meet new people and and learn new uh, new ways to approach a song. Mm-hmm. 
You talked a bit about the challenges of that tour that you did in 2017. Was there a favorite moment, something really great that happened that made you go, ah, oh, this is great? Yeah. I think, honestly, my favorite moment of that tour was anytime I got to play with with my friends and with people. So um, Ryan Brewer is another great songwriter out of Indiana. And um, he and I did a couple shows. Uh, Mile of Music was a part of that tour, um, which is just, they are just so fantastic up there. It's kind of like a mini South by Southwest in Appleton, Wisconsin. And um, anytime that an audience is just really engaged, you know, it's, uh, it's a great, great time. So I don't think I've seen you perform in any other capacity other than mm. the solo Katie thing. Sure. Is there ever opportunities to play with bandmates? Do you ever get a chance to do that? Yes. Uh, it's been a while, um, but I love playing with a band. I just think it can make the songs more alive. It can make them, um, you know, just more interactive. And so for a lot of my release shows, I do full band shows, which is really fun. And then I've got a couple buddies that are actually moving um, down to Nashville from Grand Rapids. And so looking forward to possibly playing with them and just getting a band together down there. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Well, thus far, your output includes the Happy Mess EP, which is an excellent title for something. <laughs> Loose you. Ends, The Landing, The Tracking mm-hmm. Room Sessions, mm-hmm. and a couple of singles, well, a few singles, All My Love. 22 and the Christmas star. What's next? Mm-hmm. What's going on with, with new music for Katie? Yeah. So I've been working on a new record and I'm very, very excited about it. It uh, just sort of chronicles my my shift from moving from Michigan to Nashville. And um, so over 2020, I feel like I had a lot of time to just sort of um, think and write. And so all these songs just sort of came from that that process of um, of processing that move. So mm-hmm. this would be a good time to maybe play one of them if you're sure. ready. Sure. Yeah. What's absolutely. it called? Tell me about the song. What's it called? Sure. This song is called Guard Down. And it's, do you know Brene Brown? I don't. Oh, she's so great. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll send you her book, Daring Greatly. But I, when I left Michigan, I drove, um, to Canada for a while and listened to that book on audiobook. And it's all about just how like vulnerability and sharing yourself is um, a part of, is like the most beautiful part of life and how it's how we like find ourselves. And so this song is sort of in response to that. Cause I was like, okay, I was really vulnerable, put myself out there and I got shot down hard. So, um, so this is my, my little like, all right, Brene, <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> song. <laughs> yeah. I let my guard down and it wasn't fun. So uh, this is called Guard Down. Is she all you ever wanted? Really, son? 
<laughs> Guard down, new music from Katie Peterson on Acoustic Alternatives. Somebody hurt you and I want to punch him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're going to talk about that in a second, but I can't forget <laughs> that this doesn't happen without the help of David Palmer. He is an associate broker realtor serving the clients of the city of Detroit. As I mentioned earlier, I also mentioned he's a big music fan. It's a, I think it's important because if you're going to connect with your realtor in any real way, you have to have something in common with him, I think. And if you're a music fan, you're going to like working with David. He really loves this kind of stuff. He likes to help first-time buyers. And if you were a first-time buyer that had a bad experience, he's really good at that too. The recovering first-time buyer, I think is what he referred to it as. Mm-hmm. Another specialty that he mentions that he tells me he has is dealing, dealing with that. I'm in that age group where my, my dad is getting quite old and eventually we're going to have to do things about clearing out his house. You know, that's, that's back of my head. could be 10 years from now, but I know we're going to need help with that. And he knows that area of the the move pretty well as well. So he's a great human being. He's got vast knowledge of the Detroit region. He cares deeply about uh, social impact. He's done more than just realty. Trust me, I know a lot, uh, lots of things David does. You can check them all out at dcpalmer.com. And, and if you're looking for a realtor right now, this is a great time to check out his website, dcpalmer.com. David Palmer is affiliated with Realty Experts, LLC, 1420 Washington, number 301, Detroit, Michigan, 48226. And the phone number you can reach him at is 313-759-9558, dcpalmer.com. Thanks for letting me do that in the middle of the Absolutely. Thing. Yeah. We just played a serious song. and Got to thank the sponsors. I do. <laughs> I mean, it, it really doesn't happen without him. So I, I got I to gotta be grateful for that. I'm grateful for lots of things, but that one for mm-hmm. sure. Well, I'm grateful to be here and grateful for him for, for letting me yeah. do that. So. Mm-hmm. so last we actually did an interview like this was August of 2019. And then you told me you were about halfway done with a new album. Mm-hmm. Um before we actually started recording today, you said that either became <laughs> the, the tracking room sessions or mm-hmm. I dumped a bunch of the songs. Yeah. I think I dumped a lot of those songs. Uh, but part of it also became the tracking room sessions. So that was my last project, I guess. I released it in the spring of 2020. And they were just three songs that I was able to record down in Nashville before I moved. I won a competition for the landing, which I'll play later. And uh, part of that winnings was being able to go down to Nashville and record um, for a day at this room room called the tracking room um, that I think has since been sold. So I feel Mm. like really fortunate to have been able to get in there before that happened. But we recorded three songs that day, and uh, one was called Recover, one was called Quiet Waters, and then uh, one we did was just an acoustic version of The Landing. And so I feel like those two songs, the two new ones anyway, were my favorites of that bunch that I had written at that time. And so I you know, I think that two years ago when we spoke, I'd, I'd not been thinking so much. I was like, oh, I, I'm just writing so many songs, so I should just record all of these. And I think that then in 2020, I, I became a little bit more – I wanted to write as much as I could so that I could whittle it down to all my favorites. And so I had a goal of writing 50 songs, and I, I almost got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, high 40s, and uh, so whittled that all down. Um, so – Yes, I was halfway to making a record in 2019, but I added a whole lot and then I threw a whole lot away. So, mm-hmm. how do you decide which songs to throw away? Do you run that by your friends? Do you just filter it through yourself? What is what is your process for that? Because if you're writing that many songs, yeah, uh, I'm only hearing the good ones apparently. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of trash in there. Um, no, but uh, I think that there's two things. I always record it. 
uh, when I have the idea, I record mm. it initially and then I don't listen to it for a while. So I come back like a week later and listen to that voice memo. And then if I'm still inspired or still feel like it's a good idea, I'll keep keep working on it or keep rolling with it. Um, and then the other thing is when I cry. Um, so if it's a song that hits me deeply enough, uh, that that makes makes waves enough, um, then I know that it's it's a good idea to keep running with. So mm-hmm. that makes sense. I mean, music is about feeling. I think a lot more than people realize. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't have a connection with the song if it's even if it's just the beat and the melody. Mm-hmm. You don't have a connection to it. You're not going to remember it. Yep. Yeah. But these throwaway songs might be good mm-hmm. for somebody else. And you're in a town with a lot of songwriters. And I know there's probably a lot of competition for that. But have your songs been recorded by anybody else at this point? Have you pitched them to other people? Yeah. It's been fun because I think that before I used to really limit myself to the genre. So I might have an idea for a country song, but I'm like, well, I'm not going to record a country song. So I'm not going to do that, you know? Um, or I'm not going to record this really big pop song, pop idea that I have, uh, cause it doesn't fit with my brand, mm-hmm. but it's been really fun since moving there because that's what Nashville is about. It's, it it's writing every genre, every, every kind of thing. So I'm a part of the National Songwriters Association and they do song reviews and things like that. So you can send, send those ideas and they can give you feedback or they can be pitched. And so, um, I did have one song that was actually like, Right when I moved to Nashville, she's actually an artist out of Detroit. Her name is Rocky Wallace. She's fantastic. And I had this idea when I was on that big road trip uh, for this song called Rise. And um, so it was – in my mind, I was like, this sounds like an Imagine Dragon song. Like I wanted it to be this big thing, which doesn't really fit with my stuff. But I had a, a friend who was working with her, and he reached out to me and was like, hey, do you have any ideas? Send it over to him. And then – she was able to cut it, and then we've got a couple others in the works as well of, um, for her, and then also just some co-writes that I've been able to do that uh, my artist friends are going to be recording and putting out there. So it's just so – music is all about feeling, but it's all about collaborating with other people too and connecting with, other, with others. And so that's been one of my favorite parts of being down there is being able to hammer out new ideas with a bunch of different people. So. If you could get a song placed on somebody's record, who would it be? Oh, oh man. <laughs> Great question. <laughs> I don't know. I think it'd be really incredible to write with Joy Williams. Mm. Um, she, or She's not busy with John Paul White these days, maybe. Yeah, true. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but truly, anybody that anybody that connects, you know, with, with the song, I think, um, is would be a success. Mm-hmm. So home health speech therapist is what you were doing when you left me. Mm-hmm. Are you still doing that down in Nashville as well? I am. That's your day job? That's my day job, yep. Do your patient's stories ever make it into lyrics and songs? Yes. Mm-hmm. Some of them are uh, – some of those are really helpful to be able to, like, process throughout the day. So sometimes I write I write stories about my patients, um, and those aren't really necessarily songs that I share, but it does help me to be able to um, feel more connected to that side. And then um, – yeah, it's it's quite a different different job than being a musician, yeah. but I am driving a lot throughout the day, and so the reason that I enjoy it is it allows for me to sort of decompress between patients and then maybe listen to a song that I'm working on on the way, you know, between and um, have that balance. So that's mm-hmm. a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How long does it typically take you to write a song from beginning to end? It really varies. I think. Some of the the most 
the songs that are like the most uh, that like hit you right away. Mm-hmm. Some of those I was talking with my friend Grace Tyson, who I played with um, at Twenty Front Street. And she had made this analogy of like sometimes songs are just floating above you and you pull them down and it takes like five minutes to an hour, you know, and they're just right there waiting for you. And other times it takes years. So I think it really depends on what I want to say, how I'm feeling and what I'm trying to portray, what feeling I'm trying to portray in the song. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the landing earlier and Mm -hmm. you mentioned that it won an award, the international is what I have here, the international Mm -hmm. songwriting contest right is that yeah what it was? competition yep it's somehow in the country category have yeah. you ever thought that was a country song when you wrote it i mean i i didn't write it thinking that it was a country song but i still don't think it's a country song yeah i know but i think that what i have really come to understand and recognize especially since moving to nashville is that country is such a broad genre and um when i think about country i think about trucks and beer and you know white t-shirts and all that right <laughs> You almost had an accent there um, for a second. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I actually heard a little bit of a, I'm from it's the sneaking south. in. Oh my yep. goodness. Um, yeah, I say y'all now, which is great. So that's that's a great, great word that I've picked up oh, okay. since being there. But, uh, but yeah, I think that country in, you know, as a genre is really just, is it a story? Does it, does it have heart? And so my producer, when we were recording that, he was like, this is, this could be like a country song. This could be on like country radio. And I was like, ah. All right. So then I submitted the to the contest in the country category and ended up winning. And so, so far nobody has recorded it as a country artist? No. They yeah. should. Mm-hmm. I mean, why <laughs> not, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I don't know if they um if they record songs after they've already been released under an artist name, but I feel like that's of a course they do. That's just a cover. Yeah, right? Of course they do. <laughs> that's true. There you go. That you're right, like, you're right. Sounds like when you planned on playing. You want to do that now? Yeah, sure. Right, sounds cool. good. This is one that I got to pull from the sky. (laughs) Oh, the road has been long and lonely And one of my darkest nights I swear you saved me I was high as hope Could have ever let me
just soften the landing Look what you've done to me Pulling me back to the edge of 17 When I thought love had up and left Forgotten me Sigh. Beautiful song. The Thank landing. You. Katie Peterson's <laughs> in studio here at Grove Studios in Ypsilanti. Yeah. And you're enjoying her music on Acoustic Alternatives. Uh, Grove Studios, a uh, great place to uh, be the host for this this fine session. And uh, I think about how many of your songs are in that sort of sad place. And I wonder if it's hard <laughs> to sing them when like, you see them. Like, I feel like you're in a good place right now. Yeah. Yep. I wonder if it's hard for you to sing your songs when you're in a good place and many of them are not when you're written mm-hmm. when you're in a good place. Is that? Yeah, that's a good question. I have this conversation with my mom a lot because she's like, you're writing so many sad songs. and um, But I don't consider myself a sad person. I don't either. I, I just want to talk to you. You're, you're delightful. Yeah. You're happy. <laughs> Thank you. You're happier than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and to be honest, I think that, you know, part of this this record or, or any record that I make um, – you know, I write the songs in a place that's maybe not so great, but honestly, writing and getting them out to be this entity, it's almost like it can then live outside of my my personal experience. And so, you know, for, for these like sadder, slower songs, um, I never release anything until it feels healed, if that makes sense. I do get that. Um, I have tried to release things when it's still raw and it's I can't play them or, you know, like I'm always worried that I'll like cry on stage or something Um, because then it takes away the moment that the audience can experience when, when it's about me. And so my, my hope for, for any song that I write or for the, especially for this next record that I'll be putting out, um, it's the most vulnerable songs that I've ever written. And yet I really think that I wouldn't, I wouldn't release those songs if I didn't like know for a fact that there are other people that feel that way. And so when I think about writing a song or putting one out and it can perhaps like help somebody feel connected or feel less alone or have a, have a song to kind of go to when they're feeling that way, um, then it's worth it. Cause then it's not, it's not about me and my story anymore. It's about who, who can find a, a place for their story in my song. And I think that's, that's really the goal of any songwriter, right? Is to be able to connect people that um, that have similar experiences. So. Or play the drums or have crickets in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Very outdoorsy feel. Got, you got crickets. It, yeah. First time I've heard crickets. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like we're boring you, are we? Yeah, crickets. right. I know. <laughs> I was thinking mm-hmm. about the fact that these songs are so vulnerable. And if it was me writing them, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to do it in front of other people. I don't know if you have roommates. Like, do you mm-hmm. share a home? Like, okay, so where do you find time to work on music where you you don't feel vulnerable? Yeah, that's a great. Well, yeah, I wrote all these songs when I when I had roommates, most of them, and it was hard because I would always have to wait until they weren't home. Right. Or I write a lot in my car because I'm I'm there all the time, so I just do like voice memos, mm-hmm. um, and then kind of put the piano together. But I just sing really quietly. <laughs> <laughs> and you play 
Play the keyboards with the headphones yeah, on. Yeah, so there's headphones. Nothing, nothing coming out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just tried to imagine myself in your position. Like, okay, if I'm writing these really personal, I, well, of course, our roommates know me a little bit. They probably know some of the experiences I've been through, but mm-hmm. but do I really want them to hear this yet? I'm yeah. not done yet. It's not fully formed. Right. Mm-hmm. That just seems like that'd be tough. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, if I spelled your name wrong and Googled you, mm-hmm. apparently you're dating Jesse McCartney. I know. <laughs> Did you do that too recently? I recently, yeah, because I was looking at changing my my handle so that it could be more streamlined. And then she already has it. So, um, <laughs> yep. But it's spelled differently anyway. It's just it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was giving some thought about that whole, like, your name is kind of common, but not, I mean, it's mm-hmm. not super common, but it's not uncommon. Mm-hmm. And the next thing I know, I'm like poking around just doing some research on you, even though we've met a number of times and we know each other, but still like, oh, let's see what I don't know. <laughs> and I stumbled into an interview you did on another podcast while you were at Mile of Music. Yeah. And that was actually a topic where he was talking about you not necessarily mm-hmm. using your name. Mm-hmm. It was kind of funny that I was already getting there myself in my head. Sure. Have you ever thought about what band name you would record your music under if you switched? Is there mm-hmm. have you have you given any serious thought to doing it since then? I haven't, you know, I think that it would be so fun to be under a band name, but I think the more that I, the more that I'm writing and the more that I'm, you know, getting ready to release this new project, it's kind of fun to be able to put it out under my own name. Sometimes it's, it scares me because it's, it is under my own name. And so then it's just like, this is Katie Peterson telling her story, but at the same time, I feel like it allows for a lot of freedom to mess around within the genre. And like for this record, we added hip hop beats. We added like just a, like synthesizers, all these different things that I feel like if you're in a band, you're kind of you're kind of boxed in, boxed in, yeah, to yeah. that genre. So, but I guess that's a good thing then. Yeah. Yep. So I'm leaning in. Just curious. Yep. Being an independent musician in 2021 requires you to wear many hats. Which ones mm. do you like wearing and which ones do you not like wearing? Mm. I love the songwriting part of it, obviously. Well, um, I love the performance when I get there, but leading up to the performance and, um, you know, I'm such a people pleaser. So I'm like, do you want to come to this show? You know, <laughs> like, you know, I hate I hate the ask, uh, yeah. but I love when when the performance is there. I I'm learning to like the marketing side of things. I am a big part of it. Yeah. I'm really, I'm working with a couple of people in Nashville that are helping me sort of put together a to-do list of what that would look like and trying to be more intentional about the use of social media, um, instead of just kind of posting when, when we want to. Um, so kind of learning, learning about that world, but I do oftentimes feel like I'm, I have, three full-time jobs. You know, one is my day job. One is the songwriting. One is the marketing and promotion. Um, and then also touring. So I guess four, you know, it's, it's a lot. So mm-hmm. it is a lot. Yeah. What, well, what have you, what has been your most joyous experience about being in Nashville? What's, what's been the mm-hmm. best part down there? I think it's just, it's being able to share the stage with a lot of people that because they do writers rounds down there. And so there'll be three or four people that all that we each take turns playing a song and it comes back around. And I think one of my favorite parts of being of having been down there is having met so many people who are um in it for the same reasons that I am, like just for the heart and for the the, the craft of songwriting, being able to share the stage with them, hear their songs, kind of go to a show while you're also playing your show. Mm-hmm. Uh it's just a really special thing. So, mm-hmm. do you have a release date and or title for this forthcoming album? 
I do. Yep. Are you allowed um, to tell me? Yes. So I'll tell you the title. I won't tell you the release date yet, just in case that gets Changes, yeah. fudged. But, <laughs> um, but the the album is called Limitless. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. And at least narrow it down to this year or next year. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll probably be early next year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But singles, singles sprinkled throughout. So Guard Down, the song that I played, is going to be out on November 19th. Awesome. Um, and that'll be the first of several singles that I'll be releasing leading up to the album. And where can people find out more about you and your music? KatiePeterson.com and uh, Facebook, Instagram, all of that is uh, Katie Peterson. P-E-D-E-R-S-O-N. You got it. I know. <laughs> One more song? Yes. Yep. What would you like to do? I'm going to leave you with Pint and a Tune. Yeah. Um, this song is about traveling and you know meeting people and it's something i really missed in 2020 so i've enjoyed playing this one recently this is fun hello from barcelona tonight i met a man age of 65 sipping on rocks and gin and he asked me about america and if i thought the love would win and i said mm, i hope up in a pub with a man and his guitar and we did not know the words but we fumbled with the tune and they wrapped their arms around us singing filled the room singing la da 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 singing oh he looked at me and said the world
on acoustic alternatives a song that uh, you've written a lot of great songs that one has the most maturity to it like that one Mm -hmm. has the most like i've seen the world and i want to tell you about it (laughs) beyond your years i mean you're still you're quite a bit younger than i am but i still i still feel like i got i got something out of that song every time i heard it like oh thank you have you turned it into a sing-along at your shows yet you gotta find a spot for people yeah the little mm, Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's been fun um i just i just like that song it's a story song it's kind of a little homage or, you know, um, nod to Elton John and Billy Joel. And, um, you know, I want to I want to write more songs like that that are story songs. So it's a good mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Well, you. I can't wait to hear the full record when it comes out. Thank you. I'm excited about the the landscape you've painted with different sounds and different mm-hmm. uh, things to expect. So who knows what it's going to be? Sure thing. But I can't wait. <laughs> and I'm glad that we were able to catch up while you were in Michigan. Yeah. And uh I'm sure we will cross paths again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Katie mm-hmm. Peterson, P-E-D-K-T-I-E. We're going to do that. But you can just look and see how it's spelled on the video there below <laughs> or on the podcast page. Yeah. And please look her up and support her music. And do as well. Give a chance to uh, have David Palmer help you out if you have any real estate needs. Um, he really does um, support this podcast out of the love of music. And uh, he really believes in what I do, and I really am grateful for him. So please do, if you have a chance, to check his website out as well, dcpalmer.com. I don't need to spell that for you. That's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's associated with Realty Experts LLC, affiliated, excuse me, 1420 Washington, number 301, Detroit, Michigan, 48226. That phone number is 313-759-9558. Katie, can't wait to see you again. Mm, hopefully more podcasts coming up soon. Woo-woo. Woo-woo. Thank you, John. <laughs>